Real Presence Live. That which is beautiful will manifest itself in truth and in goodness. Local. The challenges that we're facing in our generation, we just need the gospel. I mean, every every culture, every generation just needs to know how the gospel applies. Engaging. We don't bring any life at all to the church. The church is, is the life. It gives us the life. Live. The reality is, He is all things beautiful, capital B. And so anything that is authentically beautiful draws us, even if we don't realize it, to God. Good morning to everybody out there in Real Presence Radio land. It's a great morning here in Fargo. I hope you're having a good day wherever you are. Uh, I'm Jack Canelli. I'll be one of your go- uh, your hosts for this morning, and along with me is my wife Doreen, and we're happy to have you with us. Good morning. And we're we're really happy today to offer to you, our listeners, a special program. At least I think it's a very timely program because it's going to be a two-hour reprieve from anything to uh, having to do with the the recent Supreme Court nomination and the upcoming hearing, as well as. Uh, uh, we will have actually nothing to say about the uh, presidential debates last night, even though from what little I heard, uh, it's kind of a double oxymoron from my understanding. They were neither presidential nor were they debates. And so we're not going to talk about them today. So you'll, uh, we hope you'll enjoy the, the next two hours. We've got some, a wonderful lineup of guests, and uh, we're excited to bring them to you. But before that, we'll start with a prayer. Good morning. We'll begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O God, who gave the priest St. Jerome a living and tender love for sacred scripture, grant that your people may be ever more fully nourished by your word, and find in it the fount of life. Through Christ, through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. St. Jerome. Pray, pray for, for us. us. Yes, this being this, the feast of St. Jerome today, the one who brought us the, uh, the, Vulgate, the, 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 yeah, the Vulgate Bible, where they translated it from Hebrew to Latin. The common language. Right, so. and I only know that because uh, Father mentioned it at Mass this morning. <laughs> Mary, so. anyway. and, and his famous quote, Ignorance of Scripture is ignorance of Christ. Of Christ, exactly right. So, anyway, we're happy. Our first guest uh, this morning is uh, Father Eric Seitz, who is, uh, I guess, parochial vicar at St. John's in Wapiton. And um, he's in his rookie year of the presbyterate. And so we're going to have him give us sort of an update, I guess, on his first couple of months as a priest. And uh, I'll mention we had uh, um, Father's dad on the program, what was that, two months ago, where he was talking about uh, his having his upcoming ordination. Well, he wasn't talking about his ordination to the diaconate, but uh, I think that's what's interesting because you got kind of a double header in the family this year. But, Father, welcome. Thank you. It's good to be here. So, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself leading up to uh, your becoming a priest, and then we'll get into talking about your actual work. Sure. Um, so both of my parents were in the Air Force. Um, so I was born in uh, Rapid City, South Dakota. Uh, we were at uh, Ellsworth Air Force Base then. Um, I got three older brothers and one younger sister. And, uh, you know, growing up, 
uh, we were always, uh, you know, faithfully making it to church on Sundays and, uh, you know, moving around a lot, as a lot of uh, Air Force families uh, do. So, um, so yeah, that's just kind of a little bit of uh, a background on uh, what what growing up looked like. Um, yeah, uh, I guess I didn't move to Fargo until I was a sophomore in high school, and then uh, after graduated from Shanley in 2011, I entered the seminary, and now I'm a priest. Did your um, early family life ever take you, your your time in the military with your family, ever take to a foreign country, Father? Yeah, we actually lived in Norway for two years. So um, that was, uh, there was a little uh, NATO base out there. My dad was assigned there for, for about two years. So, so yeah, Norway um, was, a, well, certainly quite an experience to, uh, you know, live in a different country when you're in elementary school. Right. Did you have any sense of uh, the difference between the Catholic Church in Norway, uh, you know, culturally as opposed to your experience of the church in the United States? Yeah, I mean, for one thing, Catholics are a major, uh, what is it, they're, they're a very tiny minority in, in Norway. I think actually Catholicism was outlawed, outlawed until the early 20th century, I could be wrong on that. So, um, you know, in our town, uh, Stavanger, uh, which I think had its, a population of about 350,000 people, there was one very small Catholic church there that we would go to. Um, and so, yeah, it just had kind of that, uh, you know, really, really a small thing. You didn't have quite as many options for uh, Sunday Mass, but um, but I still, you know, uh, was just kind of a kid then. So mm-hmm. I maybe, maybe I would notice more things now uh, than when I was 10. Yeah, at least you didn't have too much of a shock as far as weather was concerned, I suppose, between Norway and here. <laughs> Uh, well, Norway, you know, it's it's an awful lot like uh, Anchorage, Alaska, or or uh, Seattle, where uh, you have a lot of rain, um, but not a lot of snow or bitterly cold wind because we were right there on the coast. Would you have experienced the midnight sun? Uh, we're not. We weren't quite that weren't far that north. Far? The uh, during the height of the summer, the sun would go down at like eleven o'clock or eleven thirty. So. Yeah, it never got properly dark there in the mm-hmm. summer. <laughs> well, with, with all the Norwegians we have around here, it can't be too much different, I would think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. I ended up here for a yeah. reason. Well, yes. l- let's let's talk about your coming into the priesthood. What? Uh, how did you experience the call to consider the seminary? Well, um, like I said, we were so, there was always uh, we were always you know a faith Catholic family. We were always. Uh, making it to church and uh, praying the rosary and such. And um, we would often have uh, priests over at the house. And so, um, you know, I guess just kind of growing up, um, you know, priests were present in our lives. Um, and uh, especially once I started uh, altar, being an altar boy in, uh, in about fourth grade, um, had a little more contact with that. And uh, I always got the sense that, um, you know, even from an early age, that being a priest was always an option. It wasn't, you know, something that somebody else, you know, would have to do. It would be something that could be an option for me and that my parents would support it. So that was just kind of growing up in the back of my head. Um, I first really started seriously considering it when I was about uh, in seventh grade. 
We were living in Great Falls, Montana at the time, and I was going to a Catholic school. And we had a reconciliation service. Um, and I think I, I was one of the kids who went early, uh, one of the first kids to go, uh, did my confession, did my penance, and was just kind of sitting in the church and uh, just thinking about life, the universe, and everything, and you know, wondering what I wanted to be when I was growing up. And then the idea of being a priest popped into my head, and you know, I thought, well, that's that's definitely an option. Um, I, I just have to think about it. I wasn't really sure at all at the time, and there wasn't so much I could do in the seventh grade. But you know, it just kind of came to me, and I just thought about it and thought, well, you know, that's that's worth considering. And so I. Uh, I'm sorry, Father. Oh. <laughs> I was just I was kind of taken by the idea of you being a seventh grader. I've heard that that is, it's a common, you know, kind of first experience with hearing God's call. Um, I've heard that seventh grade boys often that that is an experience for them. So, well, apparently God knows what He's doing. Uh, <laughs> likes to uh, use the same game plan. Yeah, well, yeah. I've, but anyway, in seventh, go ahead, Father. Yeah. In seventh grade, you can't do much uh, about your future yet. So I just, uh, you know, kept on going to school and such. Um, but I kept on hearing the same kind of refrain from people that, um, you know, even from like, uh, you know, ladies, old ladies at the parish, uh, they thought that I would make a good priest whenever they'd see me uh, altar serve. And uh, every once in a while, I'd even hear it from one of my friends at school that they thought that I could be, uh, they could see me as a priest and it wouldn't surprise me. Um, and so that was uh, certainly interesting, but I was still, you know, rather unsure of it in high school. Um, so I kept on going through high school, uh, you know, a sophomore, show up in Fargo, start going to Shanley High School, do my sophomore and junior year. And at the end of my junior year, I, I realized I, I couldn't put off decision making because, uh, you know, end of senior year would be there before I knew it and I'd have to uh, make a plan. Um so I uh, found out about this uh, vocation retreat they were having at the old Cardinal Mint Seminary. And, and I was kind of uh, on the fence about going to it, but my mom kind of gave me a little nudge uh, to go to it. And uh, that turned out to be a great thing. The, uh, this discernment retreat in, uh, was it? I think it was June after my junior year of high school. And I decided I really needed to uh, start praying more and taking this seriously. So um, you know, I would spend a little more time in prayer during that summer, and um, when I uh, got back to school, I would uh, go to the chapel at Shanley and uh, spend a little bit of time uh, every morning before school started in prayer, just kind of asking God. And, uh, you know, it when I finally decided to get to the seminary was they had this uh, college fair at the Shields Arena, and so they had all these different colleges uh, set up their booths around the concourse, and I, I think I walked around the entire concourse three times just looking at all these different colleges, and somewhere in the course of my third lap, I was just like, you know, I know where I'm supposed to be. I, uh, I ought to go to seminary. So uh, that's how God got me in the door of uh, seminary, and, uh, you know, uh, the Father Gumwall and uh, the vocations director at that time and Father Dukesher, my pastor, they made it clear that when I was going to seminary, you know, that wasn't like a done deal and I was locked in, that God would continue to uh, reveal His will to me uh, in the seminary. And so um, I really went there with an open mind, and 
after a few years, uh, God uh, made it clear to me that uh, he wanted me to be his priest. And so, um, yeah, it was just kind of downhill after that. Father, did you have, a, during your senior year after that uh, retreat that you went to, did you have a spiritual director, a personal spiritual director? No, no. I mean, I was talking with uh, Father Gumwall um, and talking with Father Dukeshire, and they were, you know, giving me advice, uh, and talking with uh, Father Charles LaCroix, who was the chaplain at Shanley at the time. So, you know, I was talking with these priests, but I didn't have a a personal spiritual director at that time. Um, In that time that you would, you know, arrive at Shanley and go into the chapel to pray, uh, I believe there that was in the presence of our Lord in exposition, correct? Yeah, yeah. Uh, many a morning it was me and Father Charles singing the Os uh, and I, I dragged my sister to school early, and she just had to put up with it because <laughs> I was the one with the driver's license. <laughs> I, I would like to explore, but we don't have time, the nudge that you said your mother gave you to go to the... Uh, the retreat, because usually that, I think, is in the form of some sort of a threat or a bribe. But uh, anyway, I guess we'll thank your mother for your priesthood on that, but we won't explore what happened there at that time. Were there, were there any other, was there any priest, specific priest in your life that uh, influenced you? You know, because I, um, I moved around so much, um, it's more like there were priests who would who would do just a little piece of the puzzle at different stages in my formation. So um, when I lived in Norway, uh, it was when I first started uh, altar serving, and they had a, a young Norwegian priest there, Father Radar, and uh, I really liked the way he did the liturgy with, uh, you know, a lot of disciplined movements and incense and all of that kind of stuff, and I really just ate all that up. And so, um, you know, just kind of... Uh, and and gosh, you know that was that was quite a while ago. I, I don't know if I can remember anything in particular he did, but just sort of the presence he had um, really uh, was uh, attractive to me at that time. Could um, you? And then, yeah. Father, did you understand Norwegian? Uh, no, no. But everybody in Norway speaks English. Oh, so, they do. Okay. Um, yeah, that's uh, you can thank the. American Empire for making that happen. <laughs> was Father Radar, was that his first name or his last name? I believe that was his last name. Okay. Well, we're coming up on a break here, but we're going to continue our discussion on the other side of the break. We're talking with Father uh, Eric Seitz from the Diocese of Fargo, and uh, your hosts today are myself, Jack Kennelly, and my wife, Doreen. <laughs> And so stay with us, and uh, we'll take a quick break here, and uh, you're listening to Real Presence Live. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. The world is changing fast and needs problem solvers and critical thinkers. Right here in your backyard, Not Marty believes every student has the potential to serve the world and make a difference. We will help you obtain a degree that prepares you for success by exploring your talents and passion. Our community goes above and beyond to help each student feel at home, surrounded by love and support. 
We can't wait for you to see what's possible. And we hope the future brings you here, close to home, at mountmarty.edu. Have you ever wondered if your family's past struggles have affected you personally? I'm Father Chris Alar. You and your ancestors are all part of the body of Christ, so you should desire healing for them for the consequence of their past sins. Evidence suggests that these consequences can even be passed down through generations. Well, God does not hold you personally responsible for the sins of your ancestors. He does allow the effect of their deeds to reverberate from one generation to the next. The sins or sanctity of your family members may impact you. So learn how to break free from any sinful bonds in your life. There is hope. Please visit suicideandhope.com so I can personally pray for anyone you've lost. And to get our book, After Suicide, There's Hope for Them and You, which helps with any kind of suffering or loss, not just suicide. I promise it will help. It's a great time to spring into summer at Riverview Senior Living Community in Fargo. Hi, I'm Carrie Dew, Executive Director. We are currently accepting new independent and assisted living residents. Riverview provides a safe, comfortable place to live with a small-town Main Street feel with home-cooked food, a la carte care services, daily activities, and mass five days a week. You can contact Marin or Katie to find out about all that Riverview has to offer at 701-237-4700 or at homeishere.org. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Welcome back to our first half hour of Real Presence Live this Wednesday morning. I'm I'm Jack Kennelly, and with me is my wife, Doreen, and we're talking with Father Eric Seitz of the Diocese of Fargo. And uh, we were talking about uh, his his early years and what kind of drew him to the priesthood. And now, Father, the next question is, you know, could you tell us a little bit about what your seminary years were like? Well, um, you know, I went off to Sacred Heart Major Seminary in Detroit, Michigan at the age of 18. Um, and I, I found the whole experience um, initially just very humbling, um, you know, realizing just how uh, how big the world and the church was outside of the Diocese of Fargo, and um, just really started to come to terms with um, what being a priest was like, and, um, you know, I, I I go on my first retreat, and I realize I don't know how to pray, and then I get to my first philosophy class, and I realize I don't know how to think, um, <laughs> and so, uh, but, uh, you know, uh, just decided to, uh, you know, put my head down, and, uh, go through the formation process. Um, and really, uh, those early years, um, I uh, made some uh, great friends at that time, certainly uh, guys from Michigan and the surrounding areas, but that's when I met uh, the two guys I was uh, ordained with, Father Riley Durkin and Father Jared Grossman, here from the Diocese of Fargo. And, uh, you know, that's probably the thing that is best about the uh, the whole seminary experience is the friendships you make, uh, along the way, um, in addition to, um, you know, just going onto that deeper level of uh, discipleship uh, with Jesus. Um, so, uh, yeah, um, I generally, you know, enjoyed uh, seminary. Um, I didn't mind the classes, um, found them pretty interesting and engaging, and, um, 
you know, the opportunity to uh, learn how to pray and um, and uh, just participate in uh, the life of the church in a more uh, focused and intense way, um, I found to be uh, a very, uh, very good thing. So, you know, four years of seminary in Detroit, and then the next four years of seminary in St. Paul Seminary, um, they were good years. They were really good years. Um, yeah, learned learned a lot. Uh, grew up a bit, and um, generally was pretty well prepared to uh, to take on the priesthood after uh, the eight years of seminary. So you you were minor seminary for four, and then major seminary for four eight years. Um, yep. Which, as you said, you know, the purpose was to prepare you. And um, can you? Can you share with the listeners a little bit about what the experience of actually receiving the Sacrament of Holy Orders was for you? And it's fine if you go back to your you know, uh, transitional diaconate ordination and something about your priestly ordination. Um, what's that like? Yeah, um, well, it, um, it was a joyful experience, generally. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't have any kind of crazy doubts or, or cold feet or anything like that um i know some sometimes uh, that does happen and uh, but i didn't i didn't have to deal with any of that praise be to god um you know the funny thing is is that i always with both of my ordinations the diaconate and the priesthood everything seemed to be going really really fast until we got to the litany of the saints um and at that point that's when uh, we we lay down on the ground and we uh, uh, have the church invoke all of the saints um, to pray for us. And it was at that point that you know the whole um, the whole ceremony really started to to slow down for me, and I was able to uh, appreciate it more at uh, at that time. Um, and I can remember, I guess, the thing that uh, the ritual you know, there's all sorts of rituals, but the one that um, stood out to me the most in my priestly ordination was uh, when Bishop Folda anointed my hands. Um, and just the, uh, you know, he uses a, a very perfumed oil uh, for that anointing, the chrism. And um, just, it was, it was at that moment that it really struck me that, you know, I have been changed at this point, um, that my life uh, is now you know, consecrated to our Lord, um, and and just what a wonderful blessing it is to to become a priest and to uh, to function, to have this ministry that I'm sharing with uh, Jesus the priest. Um, so I guess that was the moment where it all really uh, became real was uh, that anointing of, of my hands. Which is actually when it did become real, correct? <laughs> uh, no. No? Um, is it the laying on? The, the, the laying on of hands and the prayer of ordination was when that became real, gotcha. but psychologically it's when it became more real to me. Yeah. Well, I remember at law school, uh, when I graduated, we entered the real world, and it was kind of like entirely unrelated to the academics uh, that I had experienced for the three years prior. Uh, mm-hmm. So why don't you talk about some of the first uh, the first few months of your priesthood? Was your experience anything like that, where it's like, okay, we didn't learn this in school? <laughs> well, I, I maybe had a uh, a bit of an easier transition than some would have. Um, 
so I, uh, after eight years of seminary, uh, Bishop Holt and I decided it would be good for me to have some time in a parish uh, before uh, being ordained a priest. So uh, last year I was actually up in Langdon, North Dakota, um, serving as a deacon up there with uh, Father Phil Ackerman. Um, so I had already had a pretty good taste of, uh, of what life in a parish was like, um, having a solid year as a deacon. And then, uh, you know, I got here to Wapiton in June, and originally, according to that plan, that was supposed to be after I became a priest, but because of the, uh, the coronavirus, our, our priestly ordination was delayed from June to August, so I even had more time as a deacon uh, here in Wapiton just to get the uh, feel and the lay of the land things. So really there was a, there was a fair amount of continuity between, uh, you know, the parish ministry I'd already been engaged in and then um, coming into that in a new way as a priest. Uh, so, so maybe, you know, some guys who go straight from seminary to the parish have a bit more of a shock, but, uh, but, you know, like a goldfish that's uh, been sitting in the uh, tank for a few minutes. Um, um, I, I was not, quite so shocked maybe as other guys would have uh, experienced. So that was one of the blessings of the coronavirus, kind of. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, Father, um, if, you could, if you could speak to a family, um, what, what kind of words of encouragement could you give to parents and uh, young men uh, based on your experience as far as the discernment process is concerned? Yeah, uh, I would just say that um, trusting that God has your best interest in mind when it comes to uh, vocational discernment, that um, He does have a plan, and that uh, He reveals that plan when you're ready to hear it. Um, So I really felt convicted that I was supposed to be a priest at the beginning of my fourth year of college seminary, um, and I realized that if God had tried to, say, communicate that earlier, I might not have been entirely ready to hear it. And so, you know, looking back at that, um, really seeing, you know, everything I passed through in those first three years of seminary is preparing me to receive that uh, final call, uh, just how wonderfully uh, God has treated me in this way of uh, preparing preparing me to hear these things. And so uh, knowing that God isn't, you know, setting up a trick or a puzzle or a trap or anything like that, uh, and even if you're if you're feeling, you know, confusion or worry, uh, that that's all actually part of the process of God revealing His will to you, that, you know, it, it's not all just, um, you know, an easy path. It's not all... Uh, sunshine and and uh, beautiful weather. Sometimes there's clouds. Sometimes there's uh, fear or confusion, and that's just that's just part of the process. That's not uh, a sign that something has gone terribly, terribly wrong. Um, you know, uh, our Lord says that uh, you know he who does not pick up his cross and follow me is unworthy to be my disciple. And, you know. At every stage, we should expect that there would be a, uh, a cross or two, and that's um, that's normal. That's fine. That's just a part of uh, the life Christ is calling us to. Did the did the um, the words of Father Gunwall and Father Dukeshire about? Uh, I would say I would sum it up in your freedom 
to follow. Um, was that a consolation during the you know your continued discernment? Yeah, it was. It was um, understanding you know that I didn't have to make a decision right away. That it was. You know, a piece of advice I got was to not really focus so much on discernment in my first year in the seminary, just to just to go there and focus on discipleship rather than discernment. Um, and that really, you know, that just kind of cleared some of the clouds from my head because, you know, I wasn't sure about things. And, you know, I, I always was attracted to marriage and thought that uh, that would have been a, a beautiful way to live my life. And so... You know, sometimes those uh, conflicting desires uh, were a little distressing, but, um, you know, just that advice to, to take it uh, one day at a time and not worry so much about discernment was um, was really good for me and, um, you know, really helped me just uh, appreciate what was happening to me at the time. Well, Father, I'm, I'm going to interrupt here a little. I'm sorry, but... We've got less than 30 seconds, but before we, we, we go off the air with you, uh, could you give us a blessing? Sure. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. The Lord be with you. And, and with, with your, your spirit. spirit. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Um. Amen. Thanks, Father. You've been listening to Real Presence Live, and we've been visiting with Father Eric Seitz of the Diocese of uh, Fargo, and currently at St. John's in Wapiton. And Father, we'd like you to thank you for your time with us this morning. It's been a it's been it's been a fun half hour. It's gone much too quickly. I had some questions for you, but uh, we'll have to save those for another time. Well, I think we will. Uh, have a blessed day. Okay, you, you too. Thank you. So up next, our guest will give us guidance in how to support our young people in this time that we're facing. Um, emotionally and spiritually. So stay tuned for the next segment of Real Presence Live as we welcome Mary Jo Anderson, who will be sharing her expertise with us. Live, engaging, and local, this is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. 